Good day and welcome to Partake. Today I want to talk about the Christian disciple and the church being one. Jesus speaking in John 17 verse 11 says, Now I am departing from the world. They are staying in the world, but I am coming to you, Holy Father. You have given me your name. Now protect them by the power of your name so that they will be united just as we are. From this verse of scripture, we see that Jesus prayed to the Father that his body, the church, would be involved in a united and dynamic relationship. By the way, when referring to the church here, I'm speaking of the one universal and invisible church, and not the local visible churches. There can only be one church because there is only one body through which salvation can be found within. It is unique and it is Jesus Christ, bride, body and temple. There is only one Christ, ergo there must only be one church. The unifying fellowship people have with each other is founded only upon Jesus in what Jürgen Moltmann calls the assured and consistent fellowship of Christ. There was only one cross, therefore there can only be one kingdom and church. There is only one God, therefore there could only be one people and one church known by its unity. Ephesians 4 verses 4 to 6. Jesus earlier stipulated that there is one shepherd and one flock when referring to himself and his followers, the church in John chapter 10 verse 16. However, unity does not infer uniformity. I will say that again, just in case you missed it. Unity does not infer uniformity. And the provider that core beliefs are maintained, 1 Corinthians 15, 3-4, there appears to be room for some digression regarding secondary beliefs. Romans 14, 1-15, and 2.15, verse 13. Individual churches have different local needs to be faced and have therefore dissimilar requirements. For a group to claim that they alone have the ultimate truth and that they are the only true church is systematic behaviour of evil cults and sects. Self-evident of this approach are the differing worship styles of the New Testament church whilst most persevered with a Judaistic worship model, others such as the Corinthian church followed a different format, 1 Corinthians 14, 26-40. To further illustrate the problem faced by having one universal church, yet a multitude of visible local churches, there are four distinct approaches which help explain this tension. Imperialist, Platonic, Eschatological and Biological. The imperialist view is favoured by the Roman Catholic Church which claims that it is the only one church that can be observed as having unity thereby signifying its claim to be the one true church. The Platonic viewpoint claims that there is a basic distinction between the historical church and the ideal church. The eschatological viewpoint follows Calvin's theory of the invisible church becoming visible and known only when revealed at the last day and all present disunity will be abolished.
the final approach, the biological one, takes the view that the historical church develops and evolves like tree branches. However, Ignatius's maxim, Ubi Christus Ibi Ecclesia, dictates explicitly that the church's unity is found only in Christ and not in anything else. The united church is a spiritual entity, not to be judged by external signs and values, but to be founded only upon God's unity within the Trinitarian Godhead. As for the sacraments, the Eucharist is celebrated together, hence its name in some traditions as Holy Communion. Baptism is done with others as a means of fellowship, with others performing the baptism and others acting as witnesses. The means by which this hallmark can be tested in any church is revealed in the function of fellowship. If fellowship exists and is functioning, then the church can be seen to be participating in this hallmark and being one. And what of fellowship? One particular aspect of the church being one is that its members have fellowship one with each other, resulting from walking one another, 1 John 1, 7. The church is a gathering of humans, engaging in human activities with human customs, texts, orders, procedures and possessions through the power of the Spirit. What is fellowship? This is rooted in the words koinonia and koinonio, which is defined as a mutual sharing together and not merely a mutual association. It was both in having fellowship and giving fellowship that the New Testament church understood the word. And why fellowship? When Christian disciples fellowship with each other, God is glorified as a result. Romans 15 verse 7 It is as a collective body that the church fellowship grows in grace and maturity together, overcoming by grace the weaknesses of each individual member. Ephesians 4 verse 12 to 16 Another reason for fellowship is for mutual exhortation toward love and good deeds. Hebrews 10 verse 25 By this the lives of individual church members can live a consistent and godly life, particularly if sins are confessed to each other. James 5 verse 16 New Testament exhortations to live holy lives are said to groups of people. Romans 6 verse 1 to 23 Victory is also seen in the eyes of a local fellowship rather than the singular individuality. 1 Corinthians 15 verse 57 1 John 5 verse 4 Whilst God deals with us as individuals it is through the fellowship of a group that God strengthens the individual. For individuals are complemented, supported, healed and compensated by other Christian disciples. And all these are very good reasons why all Christian disciples need to find a church in order to attend. And how do we have fellowship? Biblical fellowship sees the church having common purpose. Psalm 133 verses 1 to 3. Common belief. Acts 2 verse 42. Hope. Hebrews 11 39 to 40. And needs. 2 Corinthians 8 verses 1 to 15. Just as Christians have fellowship with the Father, 1 John 1, 3, Jesus, 1 Corinthians 1, verse 9, 
and the Holy Spirit Philippians 2 verse 1 so do they have fellowship with each other 1 John 1 7 and the thing that this fellowship shares are but not limited to possessions 2 Corinthians 8 sufferings Philippians chapter 3 and the gospel Galatians 2 verse 9 by participating in his sufferings and having fellowship with Jesus through his own sufferings Paul was able to enter a deeper relationship with Jesus and so can all Christian disciples for more to think about please do read Ephesians 4 verses 1 to 16 ask yourself the following questions writing them down if you can and see how you respond or react to them then why not share your answers with your spouse or a close friend so that you can pray over any issues together question one what effort can I make to show the world the unity of the church question two what can I say if somebody thinks a Christian disciple doesn't have to be attached to a local church congregation and question three what results from me doing the work God has for me as his disciple in his church as ever if you have any comments to make on this please do contact me at partake at hotmail.co.uk thank you